from New York Women in Film and Television, this is Shot Callers, a podcast that celebrates the work of women behind the scenes and in front of the camera in film, television, and digital media. for joining us for episode number two. I was so lucky to sit down with Megan Shabona. She's a director and a producer. She works at Condé Nast. She has a really interesting story about how she started out and how she got to where she is now. I'm really looking forward to sharing this with you all, so have a listen. I'm here today with Megan Shabona. Uh, Megan is a director and producer. Megan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So, Megan, I'm going to start from the beginning. Uh, What first drew you to working in the industry? Hmm. Well, I had another career before. Ooh, tell me all about (laughs) it. (laughs) I worked in advertising. My first job out of college was as a media planner. So you basically decide where ads are going to go. A lot of spreadsheets. I actually took the job because I wasn't very good with numbers, and I thought this would be an interesting way to get over that, which is a strange choice. Um, so I did that and then I sold advertising and then I used to just go to a lot of shows. I was really into Broadway shows for our birthdays. We would always, our parents would take us to like stand on the tickets line and go see whatever was available. Um, and so I was at a show once and I just was like, why do I always come to the theater? And I had that moment and I was like, oh, I want to be up there. And so Um, I was 27 at the time, and I decided I wanted to be an actor. I had no idea that you were an actor. Tell me about your (laughs) acting career. So I decided I wanted to be an actor, and I, you know, my magazine had closed, so I had all this time all of a sudden, and I decided this was the time to go for it. So at 27, I just went for it. I got, you know, I had my headshots, and I just started answering ads and backstage. Um, I found a theater company that accepted me to their program and so um, he started you know casting me in a lot of plays so I was just doing a lot of off off Broadway theater and just learning the craft by doing it Um, and then auditioning for everything that I that I could get an audition for Um, yeah and it was really exciting especially because it was such a discovery like I had already been on a different career path and so it really felt like a real choosing because when I got out of college, you know, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, so it was, yeah, it was this really exciting thing. And I sort of felt like I was getting away with something by being able to play all day, um, even though I was working so hard, you know. Um, and then eventually I had to get survival jobs. And so, um, you know, I was doing all of that and, and trying to act as much as I could. Um, in this theater company, the, the man who ran it asked me to do him a favor and direct a short play. And I said, but I don't direct. And, and he, I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but he basically was like, you know, like, just do me this favor. Sort of like, I've been giving you good roles, like, you know, just do me this favor. And I was like, okay. And I did it, and the two actors were so kind. Um, but, I, but I got to see what it was like to kind of, work on all of the other aspects of, of what a play could be um, and like work on their performances and stuff. And I thought it was just fascinating. Um, and then I, my boyfriend at the time, um, was started to write short plays. 
So we asked if we could put them up at the theater company. And that was like the pinnacle because I acted in a bunch of them. I directed a few and then I produced the whole evening. And so I started producing really in order to act and direct. And it was so great. I like, you know, had his, his parents flew out to surprise him and his two best friends came and our parents met for the first time. So it was like this really beautiful time for us. Um, and then it was over. And we were really, I was really sad. I think he was okay, but I really, I felt like a death, you know, mm-hmm. you know that feeling. Um, and so we started to talk about how maybe we should look at making films instead of being in theater. Um, so we were talking about buying a camera and then, uh, there's a professional actors group called the professional, the proactive professional actors collective, which is no, long, no, no longer exists, but, um, I met them and they were also thinking about starting to film their own stuff. And so we joined forces and we made a short film a month for a year. Um, we took off November for good behavior. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. I mean, you know, and the first time we started in January and it was just like, all right, who wants to do what? And I was like, I want to direct. Someone's like, I'm going to produce, I'm going to write. And then we just, you know, shot it in an apartment for two days. Um, and it was really fun, you know, and then we just kept doing it every month. And so during that year, I acted in a few, I directed a few, I produced a few, and I just like, I think from that time was like, oh, I think I really want to direct. Um, so from there, we were putting content online. Nickelodeon found us. They contacted us to do a web series for them. We had to form a company in order to do business with Nickelodeon. And that's how our company was formed. Um, and then we did that. And then we just like, I feel like when you make something official, something happens. And so then we started getting clients. And so we then were all in business together. Um, and so that had been going on then, I'd say from, I think it was like 2006 into the present. And we all still do projects together. And then also we do stuff on our own. That's so, so cool. That leads me to my life now is uh, mostly get paid to produce and direct. That is really cool. It's funny. Sidebar. The first time I ever directed something was in college. Um, I directed a short play, and it was because I realized that there was this guy that I had a crush on, and I realized that if I directed the play, I could cast him in it and spend more time with him. Lo and behold, he didn't audition for the play, (laughs) but then I fell in love with directing plays, so yeah. (laughs) True story. Oh, that's Um, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's funny how we come to to what we do. Um, Mm -hmm. So I want to talk to you a little bit about your directing and producing work. So tell me a little bit about what you do on a regular day. Sure. So um, right now I work at Condé Nast Entertainment as a producer. So I make content, I make internet content for a lot of their brands. My focus is on the women's brands. So I work mostly on like Glamour, Allure, Self. and then other ones, sometimes New Yorker, sometimes Bon Appetit. Um, and a typical day, we are in pre-production on something. Um, we're then in production on different days, and then we're usually in post-production on something. So the beautiful thing is that all I talk about all day is making videos, um, which is really fun. So you work at Condé Nast, and you love it. 
but you also um, direct and produce outside of, of your job. So tell me about the work that you do you know, for yourself as a filmmaker. Sure. Well, so my time is, is more limited now that I have this very full-time job. So I have to choose really carefully what I'm going to do. Um, so the things that I tend to direct and produce are things that I'm really excited or passionate about. Um, so a couple of years ago, I'd never written anything before. So I directed, wrote, and produced a short film called Fighting Shape, um, which is about this woman who is broken up with, and she um, she gets... she. Sorry, it's about a woman who gets broken up with and she um, trains, she learns how to box, and then she goes speed dating. And the idea is that she, by the end, is comfortable with who she is. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a really personal story. Um, and then I have two other feature scripts that I've been writing that also, I feel like, are sort of in, in the same, try to achieve the same goal. Do you want to hear about those projects? Or... <laughs> Of course I do. <laughs> okay. Um, one is called Skinny Boys, and it is about a woman who um, is learning to deal with what happens after happily ever after. So it's a woman who breaks up with her husband, and she's dating again for the first time. All of these skinny men seem to be attracted to her, um, and she's puzzled. <laughs> and um, just trying to figure out sort of where she is in the world, you know, and like, just like even that, you know, she thought she knew the kind of person that she would be with. And, and now there's all these men who are interested that she just never even considered. Um, and so I went through breaking up with my husband. And, and so it's sort of semi-autobiographical. And for years, we've been broken up for about five years, but for years we'd do something and I'd be like, this is a scene. So I have all of these like great scenes written um, for this movie, which... Um, the reason I want to tell it is because I, I feel like being a person who has been in a marriage and then decided that we had done a good job and it was time to move on, I think it's really important for people to know that they can always make changes in their lives. And so because I made that change, I feel like people come to me and talk to me about this. So I wanted to create something where people could really understand that there is life after whatever this happily ever after thing you've created because we're constantly in change. Um, so, yeah, I just, and, and really, I just want to let people know that they're okay wherever they're, they are on their journey. So that's that one. And then the other one is called Delicious at the moment. And um, it's just fun. It is about food, love, and sex. Um, so <laughs> everybody's three favorite things, right? right? <laughs> So I love making food content. I've done some for Bon Appetit and Epicurious, where I am. Um, I love food porn. And um, I just, I feel like we need more women directors who can really show us what is interesting and sexy. And so I want to tell this love story that's like full of sex scenes that women would be interested in. Um, and then, of course, just like what it's like to really indulge in food. So... Um, so we're kind of working out what the details of that are, but it's just fun. I'm excited about it. That sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so Megan, you've worked as both a director and a producer. Explain how those roles differ. 
So a producer is like, they say it's like the CEO of a company. So it's like the person who is responsible for the business of the film. So um, you're the one who, I, I tend to do a lot of different producing roles. So I will often make a budget, decide who's gonna work on it, negotiate the rates, kind of all of the things that you need to do in order to be able to film. And a director is responsible for everything that shows up on the film. So it's a different kind of creativity. Um, a really good producer, I think, really understands what a director is doing. And a creative producer can help to offer suggestions and maybe even have some sort of impact on how the creative goes for a film. Um, but the director is the one who, everything that, that you see on screen, they make those decisions. And so you've worked on both like narrative films as well as you know documentaries and branded content how does your work on those types of projects differ um so narrative is um you have a script and you're using that as a blueprint for everything that you're doing with documentary you're trying to understand as many of the elements so you know what you need to get i feel like since i've worked on documentary my narrative work has changed um, so I produced this feature film called Blackout, and we've been working on it for years, actually. And we would find people to interview, and then I would call them and, and talk to them. And then, and then obviously you're in the room and you're filming them, and you're not, you don't want to guide what they say, right? But you just like start to listen to how people tell stories. One thing we might do is suggest like, oh, did you say this? Could you just say it a little more concisely? Um, but what I... But the whole idea between of, of documentary is to really get the authentic story. And I really fell in love with seeing those authentic moments. And so in my narrative now, I'm obsessed with authentic moments. So with my short film, Fighting Shape, we had a script. We very much stuck to it. But the two lead actresses, as we're rehearsing, I sometimes would be like, okay, throw that away. Like what you do as you is better. Um, and so I tend to like to let the camera run to just get them to the point where they're a little bit off guard, so they're in character, but they're also being really authentic. And I feel like um, falling in love with documentary is what made me put that into my narrative work. That's awesome. So like one kind of influences the other and changed the way that you looked at it. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's super cool. Um, so you're a member of NYWIFT. Yes. Talk to me about how your experience of being a NYWIFT member, as well as a member of many other organizations, has helped your career. Sure. Um, well, I'll start with NYWIFT. I joined, and there was a program where you could show your film in process, and then people could give feedback. So very quickly after I got in, we showed, a, I made this vampire feature called Blood Junkies, um, with some of my friends and, and I co-directed it with Don Downey and we were able to go into a room, have people watch it and then give them surveys. It was amazing and it was the first thing that I did with NYWIFT and I just, I was really blown away. Don and I were so grateful to have that kind of feedback from people that we didn't know. Um, and then I joined the programming committee and met all these amazing women who like you, <laughs> um, who produce these programs and are just great planners and great visionaries and are really out to make really amazing programs for the members. 
Um, and I really felt like I found my home there. And it's such a great space to just be able to say, okay, well, what do I want to learn about? So like you and I produced a panel um, about people who are triple threats who do three different roles. I often, I, I can do three different roles. And so director, producer, actor. And so to me, that was really fascinating. And so we got to go into this sort of deep dive of how people live their lives that way. Yeah, it was a great program. <laughs> Y'all missed it. It was great. It was great. Maybe we'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's been great programs like that. I've been involved with PitchFast, which Lavera Sutton started, um, where it's like speed dating. People show up and they get to pitch their projects to all of these executives. And, to, and we do a prep session before. And to just be in the room with these people who are so passionate about these projects one is exciting to me to remind me to get back to my passion projects. Um, and then two, it's just really exciting to see these connections being made because we all live in such a vacuum. We're like working on our project and hoping that somebody's going to discover it. So I feel like one of the great things NIWF does is it connects you to people and it also lets you know about all of these worlds that you don't necessarily either don't know exist or don't know how to be part of it. Um, and I'm also on the screening committee, um, which is really fun. We get screenings for members and it's just really, it's really exciting to show up and, and watch work, even if it's not our members who have done it, but it's like, we're all there to make great work. So it's exciting to be able to show up, see the screenings, and then see people talk about their work. I live for Q and A's. <laughs> if there's not a Q and A, I'm always so disappointed. I know. It's such a letdown, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, how would you do it? Q and A. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so NIWFT has been just an amazing resource um, for, you know, building community and, and just feeling like um, I'm not in this alone. Um, and then I also belong to another group called the Filmmakers, like filmmakers with a her. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Stacy Capone, who's my business partner, started it. Um, and we have been around for about a year and a half now. So the criteria is anyone who's creating content. So there are definitely a lot of directors, there are producers, actors, writers. We get together every month. We talk about our projects. Um, there's usually a topic or a speaker. So we're learning about new things. Um, and then we're just a resource for each other. So, you know, we have a secret Facebook page and we'll be like, hey, I need an XYZ. And someone answered right away. So it's just nice to feel like you have people in your corner, both for like, logistical things, but also just to like, hey, I'm struggling with this. Um, So it it can also be a supportive thing. Um, And it's also just inspiring to just see people doing their work, you know, and going to a screening of the film they've been working on for two years. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic when you see like the payoff of all the the hard work. Yeah. But it takes such a long time to get there. It does. It does. (laughs) Which is why it's really important to be part of things where um, you can see what other people are doing. Yeah, and it's important to enjoy your work, right? It is. It is. It is. It is. And it's also just really important to me to be part of these women filmmakers, filmmaker groups, um, because, you know, I feel like I've really struggled with finding my voice and being comfortable with using my voice and telling the stories that I want to tell. And so just to be around so many women who are, who are either very sure of themselves and are much more comfortable sharing their voice or need a little push. Like, it's just, it's just great to just be like, women, let's hear your stories. Give it to me. So, so 
What do you enjoy most about your work? Oh, boy. Well, um, I always, I feel like the reward is being on set. Production is my most favorite thing. Um, so all the stuff leading up to that is just to be in that moment when the cameras turn on. Um, yeah. So still, after all this time, I, I still feel like, sometimes feel like I'm getting away with something, even <laughs> though the hours are insane, you know. But yeah, I think it's that. I think it's just being on set. I love that because I'm the kind of person who the last place I want to be is on set. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like a pre-production, like casting, I'm pre-production. I like, I don't want to be anywhere near the set. I don't want to have to, because if, if I'm still working during the shoot, then that means something's wrong. Right. Because my work should be done. So if they still need me during the shoot, like something's wrong and we have to replace somebody or something. So if I have to go to the set, that means something's wrong. And I'm like, oh, don't, I don't want to be anywhere near the set. Um, Do you find yeah. it fun when you show up? No. Just, no? It's because, you know why? Because on a film set, everyone has a job. And so from like the PAs to like the crafty to everyone, everyone has a job. But when you're a casting director, if you're on the set, you don't have a job on the set. Right. And so you're just in the way, you know? I do. So like if you're like on a film set and you don't have something that you're supposed to be doing in that moment, you're just in the way. Right. And you're just kind of like, uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> I'm in your way. Uh. Because the way it works, like everyone's running around, everyone's doing stuff, everyone's like, here, here, move the camera there. And you're just like, oh, sorry, uh, uh, let me get out of your way, sorry. So I know. totally I, know. I hate being on film sets. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've helped a few friends with their passion projects where I'm like, you know, oh, just stop by. We might need some help. And those are the worst because right, you're, like, you're just like, oh. I'm here if you need me. But they don't because they've they've already worked on all the details. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always feel really uncomfortable yeah. in those like places. If you don't have a role on set, then you're just kind of sitting there trying to desperately get out of people's way. <laughs> and especially if it's a relatively small set or if you're in an enclosed space, you're just like... <laughs> trying not to breathe just in case it gets picked up like, on the monitors you're just like Argh. make yourself as small as you can um yeah it's funny i'm all about pre-production and then i'm like i'll see you at the wrap party i'll see you at the premiere yeah like i'm not at all i'm not a set person but that works you know Everybody's yeah it different. does <laughs> so what advice have you gotten over your career or mm-hmm. what do you wish that you knew like 10 years ago or 20 years ago that you know now? Hmm. Well, I'll start with advice. There's, I think, I think it's Mel Brooks in a directing book who said his advice to directors is to sit as often as you can. Do you know this? No. <laughs> I hope I'm attributing. I think it is. And that I, I always laugh. On set, I usually say it once a day. I'll be like, you should sit while you have a minute because mm-hmm. there's so much standing. <laughs> and I and I feel like it applies to the whole thing, which is like, you got to pace yourself. Like, don't get upset about the little stuff. Um, and I feel like with producing, the idea, the, most of, I don't want to say most of the time, much of the time something goes wrong. Um, most of the time. But, yeah, okay. <laughs> Yes. So most of the time there's something. And so your job as a producer is really to kind of figure out what could go wrong and what the backup plan is. And mostly it's like getting enough of the prep work done that you have some space available in your brain 
to be able to fix whatever comes up. So, and I feel like for me as a producer, what I kind of have tried to almost have a brand around is being very calm and being like, you know, we're going to fix this is no problem. Um, and yeah, so I, I feel like I went off on a tangent there, but, um, but that's the thing I feel like I've learned over, over the years is like that little sit down when you can, it's like pace yourself, no need to get upset about the little stuff. And then when the big stuff comes, don't get upset about that either. Yeah. Words to live by, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And then I might not have an answer to what do I wish I had known? Um, yeah. Well, I was a good well, sometimes I think that you have to, you know, you have to live the life you've lived to be where you are. So if right. you'd known that like 10 years ago, you would have skipped over a whole section of something that has informed who you are today. That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was thinking of saying, you know, I've had this kind of windy career path. You know, I started in advertising, then I was in sales, and then I was an actor, and then a director, and then a producer. And I've produced all kinds of content. And sometimes I think like, you know, I see people I work with here who are 25 and, you know, they're on one track. And I think like, oh, I wonder how my career would have been different if I just was that focused. But that's not that's not actually who I am. Like what I bring to the table is this like I've lived a bit and I know how to act, I know how to direct, I know how to produce, you know, like, so all of those things have led me to this moment, and I don't think I would trade it, you know? And all those experiences inform who you are today and how you work, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's great, I I agree, don't go back in some, you know, back to the future, like, time travel (laughs) and tell yourself something and ruin it, Right, (laughs) right. So... Particularly, um, I want to address this question to you as a producer. Mm-hmm. What do you wish people understood about your job? Oh, good question. Um, you know, it depends who it is. <laughs> so sometimes people think of producers as necessary evil, right? Necessary, necessary evil. And so um, they don't understand how creative we are, how part of the process we are. Yeah, I just feel like it's like people are sort of misinformed about what the role is. And I think that's because there are so many kinds of producers. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I try to make it really clear what my role is in a project. And also if I get hired to, to do a project, I really make it clear. Like, I am not the kind of producer who does this. You know, mm-hmm. like I like making budgets. I don't like to tell people that, but I do think it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but actualizing budgets is not mm-hmm. very fun, you mm-hmm. know? So I found myself at the end of projects, like with all these receipts and actualizing, I'm like, oh, I should have made it clear that somebody, or I should have hired a person to do that. Right. You know? Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you had a mentor in your career? And if so... What impact did that have? I'm so glad you asked this. I have had mentors before, um, and I certainly have a lot of people in my life that offer me great advice, that are great sounding boards. What I feel like I'm missing is a mentor who's had a similar path. Like, I don't have any mentors who are producers. Um, 
And although I mostly produce, I'm really passionate about my directing work. Um, so I feel like I don't really fit into a package, right? So I have a friend who's an accomplished director and she offers me advice, but I'm not actually on that path, right? So that's actually something I would like to put out to the audience is that I am looking for a mentor. Everyone, Megan, <laughs> she's seeking a mentor who's a director, mm-hmm. right? Director who, who also who produces, produces. A director who produces. I'm sure we'll find somebody. <laughs> um, um, but that said, it is really important to have people along the way. Um, and yeah, I feel like I know a lot of smart people who are willing to, to offer advice. Um, and I think also who are willing to just mirror back to me that I actually know what's best for me, um, which has been a really big learning thing for me because, because I always feel like, oh, I don't fit into this package, which also just means like, well, if you've taken this path that's so windy, then you actually know what is the best choice. I mean, we all always know the best choice for ourselves if we really listen. Um, but that, that's been like the best thing that's been mirrored back to me. Like, well, what's your gut? And I'm like, oh, damn, I actually know the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's weird. I think particularly uh, with women, but this could be just a greater thing. Sometimes it's like we feel like we need permission from someone or we feel like we need somebody else to say, oh, yeah, like that is a good idea when – we really just need to listen to ourselves and really just need to, you know, listen to your gut, like you said. So true. It took mm-hmm. me years to learn that lesson. I'm still learning it. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just say something else about that? Mm-hmm. The the other thing is when I made this short film that I made, um, I, were, I up to that point had worked with a lot of men and a lot of men had hired me and I felt like the story that I was telling was sort of, it's like a romantic comedy. I felt like it was like a silly girl story. It was like sort of the baggage that I brought to it. And what was fascinating was everybody that I asked to work on it agreed to work on it. And people who read it just read it with, like I expected them to sort of be like, oh, this is kind of stupid, right? But everybody read it and really took it in. And then we moved on with the project. And that was another thing about putting yourself out there and, and really doing something that you believe in is that then you see that people believe in you. Mm-hmm. And that was like such a such a great learning for me. I think that's great. I'm so excited. Um, I want to ask you one last thing. Mm-hmm. Can you recommend any films or TV shows that you've been watching, particularly those that are created by women or that feature women in a prominent role? Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I'm really interested in, in uh, women who honor their journey and are willing to to talk about it, um, are willing to like really show their true authentic voice. Um, so a woman who's in my filmmakers group, her name is Naomi McDougal Jones, and she made a, she wrote, produced and starred in a film called Imagine I'm Beautiful. Um, and it's about a woman who has a borderline personality disorder, um, and the journey that she takes. Um, and she talks about it a lot and, and that people were like, who wants to, see this film that stars two women that's about someone who's mentally disturbed like who cares and she just kept going and the story the film is wonderful and she just like stuck with her vision and she went so I definitely recommend that um everyone talks about girls but I do just want to say um that um there's an episode 
about two weeks ago where Lena Dunham shows up in a bathing suit and they're definitely trying to make her not look good. And I just had this moment where I was like, yes, like she's willing to just put herself out there and just show us that we don't have to be perfect. And I like was so grateful for that. Um, yeah. Um, who else is doing interesting things? Um, I just watched Sisters last night on the plane. And <laughs> I'm obsessed with Amy Poehler. She's like my favorite person. And I feel like she's just willing to like be out there and be who she is. Awesome. Such great picks. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is amazing. Thank you so much for joining us for episode two of Shot Callers. I'm Destiny Lilly. To find out more about New York women in film and television, simply visit nywift.org. You can follow us on Twitter at at nywift. Shot Callers is produced by me, Destiny Lilly. And the music is courtesy of Lisa Brigantino. To find out more about Lisa and her music, visit lisabrigantino.com.